Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Glad to be with you guys today. The trip meter on my car says that I drove 415 miles to be with y'all today. Uh, spent the long weekend uh, in Dallas, Texas with some family. Uh, got there just a few hours before the uh, hostage crisis in Colleyville. I was about 20 miles away from that, where I was at the time. And uh, I was afraid to go outside last night after the Dallas Cowboys uh, lost their playoff game in historic, well, maybe not historic for them, but nonetheless embarrassing fashion. Uh, was terrified because I do have family that are Cowboys fans. And even, you know, even being in, in close proximity to them, houses away, miles away, just a few miles away, uh, was very risky, not to mention the rest of Dallas. But I am glad to be here with you guys today. I want to set the scene. It is 2018. In Florida, you have Andrew Gillum running for governor against Ron DeSantis. In Georgia, you have Stacey Abrams running for governor against Brian Kemp. In Texas, you have Beto O'Rourke running for Senate, for U.S. Senate, against Ted Cruz. If you follow that race at all, what you'll notice is that in the national press, for most of that election cycle, the press is following the... Uh, Hilarious stylings of Beto O'Rourke. He says swear words. He rides skateboards. He is somebody that is very Kennedy-esque. And the media loved him. And they gave all of their attention to him. And as a result, uh, Beto O'Rourke raised a ton of money and actually did come very close to unseating Ted Cruz. In Georgia and Florida, the two African-American candidates did not get that press coverage and came very, very close to beating their Republican counterparts. Stacey Abrams came close to getting into a runoff with Kemp. Kemp ended up winning outright, but a runoff for Kemp would have been a much closer race. And Andrew Gillum came very close to beating uh, Ron DeSantis. The press gave them almost no attention until the end. They focused a lot of their coverage on Beto O'Rourke, O'Rourke, the, the Kennedy-esque white candidate. And they acknowledged this. Now, that's why Stacey Abrams gets such a lopsided amount of press coverage. Now, she is a media darling largely out of the white guilt of the press. Now, look at what's happening in Louisiana right now. Granted, the election will not be nearly as close, but you have two Democrats challenging John Kennedy for U.S. Senate. And in the course of a week, the advocate has put out three stories. Two of them came on, uh, on Saturday. One was seven days ago, on the 10th. Let's, let's, let's start with that one. U.S. Senator John Kennedy spit in the face of democracy, Democratic opponent Luke Mixon says. Over the weekend, two Democrats, Luke Mixon and Gary Chambers Jr., are challenging John Kennedy in the U.S. Senate race. And this column from Stephanie Grace. Uh, John Kennedy's challengers look to flip a well-worn script. Looking at those last two. One Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate is a white moderate who grew up on a farm in central Louisiana, graduated from the United States Naval Academy, and served as a fighter pilot. They lead with the white candidate. Stephanie Grace leads with 
the white candidate. Newcomer Luke Mixon is planning to follow the John Bell Edwards playbook. Now, in journalism, we have this thing called framing. And how a story is written is typically based on the, the perspective, whether conscious or unconscious, of the writer. And even in opinion writing, like Stephanie Grace does because she is an opinion columnist, even in opinion writing, well, especially in opinion writing, the framing is based on your perspective. In news writing, you should be as objective as possible, but some things do slip through. What you write is based on your experience, whether it is straight news or whether it's opinion. The story from a week ago from Blake Patterson is a focus on Luke Mixon because he spoke uh, before the Baton Rouge Press Club. Tyler Bridges at The Advocate starts his story out with Luke Mixon. Stephanie Grace starts her column at NOLA.com and at The Advocate with Luke Mixon. I'm going to predict right now, and I could be wrong, and I pray that I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't think I am. The advocate and liberal writers around the state are going to focus more on Luke Mixon than they will Gary Chambers. Part of it is because he is the clean-cut white candidate. The other part is exactly what Stephanie Grace writes— a moderate Democrat who also graduated from a prestigious military academy, he's talking about Luke Mixon. The focus is on this centrist Democrat ideology. Luke Mixon is going to run as a more centrist Democrat. I'm, I'm making the air quotes here. He's running as a centrist Democrat while Gary Chambers is going to be running as somebody who would fit very fit in very nice with Bernie Sanders and the squad in Washington, D.C. And these two candidates are really where the Democratic Party is nationally right now. You have a centrist Democrat and you have a far left Democrat. Or rather somebody pretending to be or, or playing or running for or running as a centrist Democrat and somebody who is far left progressive. The problem here is that Mixon's position is untenable. Mixon is either going to be a centrist Democrat, in which case, nationally, Democrats will reject him. If he wants to be a true centrist-type Democrat in a red state, he'll be like Joe Manchin in order to keep his seat. He will have to be. If he wants to keep his seat, he's got to be more moderate, even leaning toward conservative on some issues. If he runs as a centrist and then goes far left, then he is going to have lied and he won't be able to hold that position after six years. His position is entirely untenable. Kudos to Gary Chambers for being honest. But here's the other thing. Mixon is a white Democrat in a state where 60% or more of voting Democrats are black voters. And the Democrats have a problem with here. Black Democrats are tired of constantly electing white Democrats to lead them and then nothing getting done to help their issues in the state. So you have 
Gary Chambers and you have Luke Mixon running against John Kennedy, they will not do well at all. Kennedy is going to get reelected very handily here. But these two Democrats are in a perfect position to illuminate for us the problems with the Democratic Party. And they're getting coverage based on how the press, how likely the press sees them. And Luke Mixon is going to get more press coverage from statewide outlets like The Advocate because he is the white, centrist, moderate Democrat in the race. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this and the coverage that you can expect this election cycle from media outlets here in the state and around the country. All this and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. If you want to join in the conversation, you can call in 232-1542. You can also join me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can comment on anything there, leave a post, leave a message, whatever. And I will, uh, I, I like to engage on social media. Also, you can find the show in podcast form if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we're looking to get on a few more services soon. So if you miss any part of the show, you want to go back and listen, or you want to get somebody to listen to a clip of the show and say, hey, you should check this guy out, I'd appreciate it. And you can tell them where to go to find recordings of the show online. Now, getting back to what I was talking about before the break, you have two Democrats running against John Kennedy for U.S. Senate this year. Gary Chambers of Baton Rouge, and you have Luke Mixon, uh, who is running as, I forget where Mixon is from, uh, Central Louisiana. Mixon is the white, quote-unquote, centrist Democrat in the race. Now, his, his rhetoric in, in talking to folks is not centrist at all. He'll, he'll try to make it seem centrist, but it's not. It, it is it is leaning further to the left than it is toward the center. But he's got to play this kind of centrist rhetoric out there. This idea, he's got to portray himself as a centrist because that's how you're going to get elected in a red state like Louisiana. Chambers is playing for the activist base. And Chambers is also the black candidate in the race. I mentioned this last week. I mentioned in the last segment. Chambers has an advantage among just Democratic voters in that Democratic voters are about 60% black. And black voters typically tend to vote for black candidates more. Chambers can get black voters out there. And his rhetoric right now and the stuff he's talking about is geared toward that. If he can just get most of the Democratic voters on his side in a state that has a normal primary system, he could win. Now, the problem here is that we have a jungle primary system in the state. All candidates are on the ballot. Mixon can take advantage of a couple of different things to get into a theoretical runoff with Kennedy. I think Kennedy gets about 60 percent of the vote and doesn't get into a runoff. Possibly more considering how bad this year is for Democrats nationally. In a normal year, Kennedy could theoretically be taken to a runoff. Or maybe a year where the Republicans are in power because the party in power during midterms tends to lose power. Kennedy would be more at risk. 
Mixon can take advantage of a more active white voter base in the Democratic side, as well as moderates on either side who maybe not necessarily thrilled with the Republican Party. Uh, if they, uh, I mean, there's there's always going to be kind of the suburban white vote that's not really a fan of like the Trump style rhetoric that the Republican Party can have at times. They may drift a little toward the Democratic side. Probably not going to see that much this year, but just again in theory. Mixon has access to more voters. Chambers has access to a larger portion of the Democratic base. But Mixon is going to be seen as the more winnable candidate. And the press in the state is going to focus on him. He will get more coverage than than Gary Chambers. We saw it in 2018 with Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum not getting near the coverage that Beto O'Rourke got in Texas. You're going to see it here. And that will pose a problem for the Democrats because the more the Democrats keep pushing white candidates who can't win on the Democratic Party that has made six out of ten voters are African-American voters, the more African-American voters are just going to stop showing up for the Democrats. Nationally, we're also seeing that younger black men are starting to drift toward the Republican Party a bit more. They saw things like record, blow, record low minority unemployment during the Trump years. They see that under Biden and the Democrats, jobs have evaporated again. The economy has gotten worse. And these younger black men who want access to this, to, to, uh, they want access to the same economic resources that they perceive white voters having access to. They're going to drift toward the Republicans to get that because that was there under Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was president, the economy was doing very well. Uh, employment for uh, across the demographics board was up. And there was more access to resources. So black voters, especially younger male black voters, will start to drift a little to the Republican Party. Not much right now. Not much. In this state, black voters are very heavily Democratic and far more progressive. But certain issues, like economic issues, can bring some of them over. But just in general, Chambers, being a black candidate on the ballot come November, will get black Democratic voters out. And Mixon won't have much access to them. But Mixon will get an unbalanced press coverage from a press that really thinks he has a shot. Because they don't like Kennedy, they don't like Republicans, and they want this clean-cut, moderate white Democrat to have a chance. And like I said, Mixon's position as a centrist or moderate Democrat is untenable. Because in order to stay in power in the state, he's got to really be that. He's got to be a Joe Manchin type Democrat in order to get reelected. But if he does that in order to get reelected, he's not going to be a popular with national Democrats. He's not going to have a future in the party. Unless he gets a lobbyist job or unless he gets invited to work for um, if he gets, he gets invited to work uh, for uh, for an, an administration. So he's not going to have that opportunity. If he decides to go left, 
if he decides to go further left, then what's going to end up happening is he's not going to get reelected in Louisiana. So his position is untenable. The big issue for Democrats right now is not the U.S. Senate, though. It is not what's happening in the U.S. Senate race. What's, hap what, what's important for Democrats right now is 2023, when John Bell Edwards is term limited as governor. And after this year's election, guys like Chambers and Mixon will have the foundation. They'll, they'll have the infrastructure to run a race statewide. And guys like that are going to be looking for the gubernatorial race in 2023. And you will see Gary Chambers try to run. You might see Sharon Weston Broom try to run. Mayor of Baton Rouge right now, she might be, there's rumors saying that she might be looking for the spot. You might have a Luke Mixon type who's also trying to run. The Democrats are looking for statewide candidates, not to beat John Kennedy, but to maintain a Democratic seat at the gubernatorial table. That's what they want. If you want to call in after the break, 232-1542. Also, I mentioned social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can catch the podcast of the show online. Also, you can sign up for my newsletter, kitchenpundit.substack.com, where I put all of my daily columns, uh, those that I post at redstate.com, and other thoughts that I like to put up uh, during, during the day. Uh, that is a free newsletter. You do not have to pay for it. A lot of conservatives offer paid memberships to things so they can make a little more from their writing. All of my content is free to you. Everything that I put out there is absolutely free to you. I don't have paid memberships or anything like that right now. What I have is just the content that's there. If you like what I'm saying or if you want to hear more on these subjects, uh, you know, you can find all the social media channels, the, the Substack newsletter, the podcast, everything is available to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about the national stuff because I want to go back to something I talked about last week. Everybody's looking for Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump to get into a fight with each other. And there's a reason for that. And I want to talk about that when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. K-Pell, glad to be with you guys today. So I, uh, I, I was you know, driving home from Dallas today. And so I listen to a lot of talk radio helps keep me awake because that is a very long drive to have to go through and uh, had moon show on this morning and y'all uh, being in the car for that long, I don't have a whole lot of time to do show prep. And I, I try during the day on a normal day to look at different stories that are happening. And so I, I didn't have a chance. I was driving uh, kind of dangerous to scroll through the phone and, and look what folks are posting. Don't want to get into an accident. Um, but I, I did, you know, I, I listened to Moon Show, and he, his opening was uh, about the uh, the the vote for uh, party chairman. And this again, the, uh, this particular story from the Advocate as well. Uh, I I don't know Garvich all that much. I don't, and 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 it being what it is, uh, the the outcome being what it is. Um, I I don't really have much of an opinion other than to say this. Moon was right this morning talking about guys like Eddie Rispone who complain about the state party not having any money. If you drop as much money on your campaign as Eddie Rispone did and you can just throw that money away and when you lose the, the runoff election against John Bell Edwards, you can say, I'll be fine and then walk off the stage. You've got the money 
to be able to make a difference in the state party. You can offer some financial assistance. You can donate money and make it possible for the state party to function. So I don't want to hear that kind of complaint coming from somebody like Corresponding who can drop that much money. All right. And, and also, no, I've met Michael Baham. I've, I've read his stuff at the Hayride because he, he, he writes a lot of columns that get posted there all the time. He's a good, solid conservative. And Gervich attacking his conservative bona fides, as the advocate story says he did, is, is nonsense. Baham is a strong conservative, of which I have no doubt. Gervich does not strike me as somebody who's a bad conservative either. But this party infighting right now is the exact type of thing that led to two terms of John Bell Edwards as governor in a deep red state like Louisiana. The party is snatching defeat from the jaws of victory time and time again. You have an extremely successful U.S. Senator in John Kennedy. You have an extremely successful potential Speaker of the House in Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise can just look at somebody and raise a ton of money. All Kennedy has to do is send out an email and he's got more money rolling in. The same people, especially the big money donors who are giving to these guys, can also give money to the state party if they really care that much about the state party. Now, I am... No fan of organized party politics. I, I do not like the party apparatus in general. They, they've never served their purpose very well at all. And for Garbage to say that he's, he doesn't want to let a wealthy businessman rest control of the state party, I'm totally on board with that. And if Responi wants there to be more money and more success in the state party, then maybe he should cut a check rather than trying to undercut the Republicans who are already there. I have no dog in, in this fight anywhere. I do not care for any of the players involved. All I want is for the Republican Party, if it wants to be a serious party in this state, to stop the infighting, organize itself, and get going. Because another Democratic governor for the state of Louisiana, for the third election in a row, is absolutely unacceptable. Look at where Louisiana is, and look at where it could be had they gone with a Republican at any point. Even if Vitter was, even if Vitter was not going to be a great Republican, if, even if he was not going to be a good governor, he was going to be a damn sight better than what we got. And even if Abraham were a weak Republican, he would have been a damn sight better than what we got. But because the Republican Party cannot get its act together, and I had to censor myself there, because the Republican Party cannot get its act together, we've now gone through seven of eight years with a Democratic governor who has inarguably made things worse. Let the stagnation, let the, stagnation, let the rot continue to take hold. And there's been nothing in the way of any sort of reasonable reform despite the fact that conservatives are plentiful in the state and despite the fact that Republicans dominate party politics, they can't get a Republican governor because they cannot come together and agree on some basic things. So Responi, Gervich, 
Mayhem, whoever. Everybody needs to go take a seat at the table and figure out what the hell's next. Because it's getting extremely annoying. And here's another thing. These, these, these party folks, the, the people who like to lead the party apparatus, lead the party structure in a given area, they love to, they love to go on the air. They love to get out in print. They love to do all the things. You, know, you, have, you have Moon, statewide conservative radio host. You have uh, Scott McKay, statewide uh, conservative news and opinion. They love to get those guys to write and talk about them. They like to come on the air. They like to write guest columns. They like to do all of this. But never once do these guys really seriously want to bring those conservative leaders to the table, the guys who, who lead conservative media in the state. They, they don't want, really want them at the table. The party never really chooses to pick some conservative voice in the state, bring them in and say, okay, you're in touch with your listeners. You're in touch with your readers all the time. What do they need? What do they want? What does the party need to do differently? They'll be glad to call and say, hey, I want to come on the air and talk to you. Or, hey, I want to write a guest column for, uh, for your publication. Hey, I noticed you wrote this. Can you include this in there? Hey, can you, can you talk about this? Hey, can you throw this out there? Hey, can you ease up a little bit? But they never bring those conservative voices to the table. They never bring them in and say, all right, let's figure this out. Let's figure out what your active base of listeners, of readers, what y'all, what y'all hear from them, what the party isn't doing, and how we can get better organized to serve them and, frankly, to bring the donations in. Because as long as the state party exists and does not bring in any sort of money whatsoever as the Louisiana State Party is doing, there's no point to it. Disband. Let people just claim claim the national platform and go. But a party that continuously nominates and supports moderate to moderate weak need Republicans, a party that allows for infighting and gubernatorial campaigns and doesn't enforce its rules about not attacking other Republicans, a party that does not have the strength of principle to go out there and actually fight to win is not a party that needs to exist. So the state party, the state Republican party needs to get its act together right now, because if it doesn't, you can, you don't have to worry about the gubernatorial election ever again, because it's not going to happen. You don't have to worry about whether or not your federal candidates, your, your candidates for Senate in the house, if they need you, they're not going to, they're not going to come to you. They've got their own donors. They've got their own supporters. They're doing the work themselves. They don't need you. You can just fold up and go. 232-1542, if you want to call in, take part in the conversation. When we come back, let's talk about some of those federal candidates. Let's talk about Kennedy. Let's talk about some of these others. What's happening at the federal level? And how are the Republicans going to handle it come the 2022 midterms? All that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL here in Lafayette. You can also 
Uh, listen to us via podcast. If you go to Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, search up the Joe Cunningham Show or Joe Cunningham Radio Show there. You can find the podcast version, which we'll be updating every day with the day's show. Uh, so in national politics, because normally that's what I talk about. There's just a lot of state stuff to talk about today. Uh, in, in national politics, I mentioned last week that you see a lot of the media really looking for a fight between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, so much so that they're actually trying to to make up fights between the two, despite the fact that neither has said each other's name. And, and the Democrats and the media really need these two to start fighting. Because in 2022, the focus is on the Democrats and how much they're struggling. And barring a huge turnaround, some event that changes things, the Democrats are hopelessly out of luck in retaining the House and are looking more and more. I mean, we're, we're talking just a few months ago. The Senate being in play was still kind of a hypothetical. And now it's very much a reality. So the Democrats are struggling. They can't get an agenda passed. They can't even get their own party to agree on things. So they're trying to get all the focus on the Republican Party. They want to allow Democrats to say the media wants to allow Democrats to say things like, well, it's a minority party that's keeping stuff from being done. No, it's not. If it's Manchin siding with the if it's Manchin siding with the Republicans, that's a majority of the Senate. You probably have more than just Manchin who wants to block some of the things of the Biden agenda because it's bad for their electoral politics. So they want to focus on things like fighting between probably the two most popular Republicans in the party right now, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And the two haven't mentioned each other by name. And they're not going to. See, Ron DeSantis still needs those Trump supporters in order to get reelected this year as governor. I don't think he's gotten much of a challenger in Nikki Freed or, or Charlie Crist or, or, or anybody who wants to step up to the plate on that one. I think he wins fairly handily in his state. There's just really no statewide recognition um, for Nikki Freed, who's the state agriculture secretary. And Charlie Crist has been rejected by his voters, by the voters of Florida enough at this point. They're tired of him. It would be like if Alan Grayson decided to join in again, that lunatic. I think DeSantis wins fairly handily, but he can't afford to alienate the Donald Trump fans who are still an active part of the Republican base. And Donald Trump cannot alienate Ron DeSantis and his supporters in the state of Florida, Florida being a very key state for Republicans in future elections. So they can't really afford to even take subtle jabs at each other where they don't say each other, they don't speak about each other by name, but they kind of indicate them based on what they're saying. The problem is neither of those men is known for their subtlety. If they're going to attack somebody, they're going to attack somebody. They're not going to hold back. That's just how they are. That, that's their style of politics. If they've got somebody they've got a disagreement with, they're going to go out and say it. Kudos to them for being open and honest about it. There's no subtle jabs between the two. The sides may be forming right now, but there is a, a, a begrudged understanding there that they're going to lay off each other for right now. Neither can afford to attack the other right now. If they are both running in 2024, and I'm still not convinced, I know some of y'all will disagree with me, but I'm still not convinced Trump is running in 2024. He just can't afford to say it right now because the party needs him to be active in getting his voters out to the polls in 2022 
And he needs to keep his base active and going if he wants to have a chance in 2024. So he can't afford to say he's not going to right now. But I'm still not convinced that ultimately he makes that decision to do so. I think that he understands his ability to be kingmaker in the party is a lot more valuable than being president. And I think that's ultimately where he's going to go. He wants to crown his successor. Because then he doesn't have to risk another race. Then he doesn't have to get all caught up in the nonsense. He can simply pass the torch to somebody so he can say that he picked his successor. He can have a legacy, but he doesn't have to get too involved. And he can be on whatever social media network will allow him on. He can say what he wants. He can release whatever statements he wants. I think Ron DeSantis is the candidate in 2024. Again, events can change things. We're two years out from that. But neither of those men are going to attack each other right now, but the media desperately wants them to. The media desperately wants a battle between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump right now. They want it because they need the distraction. Meanwhile, in Virginia, getting sworn in today, you have Glenn Youngkin, a Republican who won a statewide race in Virginia. And already... He's getting rid of mask mandates in schools. And he's, he's banning critical race theory. He understands what got him into office. And he is fighting on that platform. And he will continue to do so. It's like Kira Davis said when she was filling in for Dan Bongino today. Republicans' chances to win this year and in 2024 go up exponentially when Republicans essentially open up the tent. We're not focused necessarily on hardline, mainstream, traditional conservative values here. We're looking at the issues that are present right now. We're saying, you have this concern. Here's our solution for it. You have this concern. The Democrat solution isn't working. You tell us what you want. We'll show you the conservative way to do it. And you start drawing people in that way. And there are a lot of issues here. Crime wave, COVID-19, the government trying to take more power when these issues come up. Education issues. Y'all, I guarantee you the Republicans have the winning message on education to the point where they are going to pull in more minority voters than ever before if they just start acting on it. Republicans have the ability to draw in more voters when they open up the tent to allow new ideas and allow them to be worked within that conservative framework because the Democrats are not opening up their tent. They are closing their tent. The Democrats are so focused on making sure there's ideological purity on abortion ideological purity on environmentalism, ideological purity on so many, uh, uh, Medicare for all, all of these issues that the far left progressives want because the party is now being held in thrall by the far left progressives. Despite being a minority, they are a very vocal minority and the Democrats are stuck in this bubble. They are stuck in a bubble on social media in their East Coast and West Coast media bubbles They cannot see that the people in the middle of the country, 
your average far more moderate voter is terrified of a lot of these things. And the Republicans aren't saying go all the way to the right on this. The Republicans are saying, here's our alternative. Here's how we can meet in the middle and get this fixed. And Republicans are, I mean, and voters are gravitating more toward the Republicans on that note. And because of that, because of that, the Democrats are in a whole lot of trouble. And they need the distraction of DeSantis versus Trump. They need to continue talking about January 6th. They need to continue talking about racism and all of these other issues. Because they cannot attract more voters. They just have to try to scare people away from